Hey y'all, welcome back. No cap sports. We back at y'all again, man. NFL season started up, and we're gonna get y'all up to date. But first, since it's been a minute, Josh hit on with that five, bro. Man, Nick, you know what time it is. Haven't we haven't had a five segment in what over a month? So there's a lot of topics for us to cover, a lot of music that's popped out since my last five segment. But <clears throat> I would be remiss. I didn't mention the, uh, the musical debate that's going on right now that's taking over the entire industry. Certified Lover Boy versus Donda. When uh, the last time we discussed it, I think it was, it was the first of Kanye's pump fake release dates, uh, one of the release parties that he had, and Advance being the resident Kanye West fan. He has high expectations for this album. Um, I definitely didn't. I'm not a, a consistent consumer of Kanye's music. Uh, a lot of the older stuff, like 808s Heartbreaks and Graduation, some of the more, the more classic albums I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of. But um, after Yeezus, I'm not really just, I'm not really a big Kanye consumer. So uh, Vance, being the, the, like I said, the resident Kanye guy, give me your, give me your, your Donda thoughts with over, what has been out, what, two weeks now? I mean, first of all, you cap, bro. You ain't never just hear me claim Kanye just this time. You was, you was the one that was riding for the album, though. Between oh, two and three. Okay, so you're going to claim some, yeah. some culpability in this too, Nick. Okay, so I can... I, I can shoot it to you next. See how you feel about it. I mean, he, I mean, he, it was a, it was a, it was an okay album. I didn't have any problems with it, bro. Uh, in terms of how many songs I downloaded, I downloaded seven out of how many was it? Twenty five mm. songs. So it was good. I, it, now, I did like both of the jail versions with uh, Jay Z and uh, the baby, bro. I think both of those verses went hard. Both of those songs, I had to download both of them. Uh, I like Praise God, bro. I like the beginning of it. And then the beat comes in so hard. Yeah, that, that, that was probably the hardest beat on the album. Okay. Nick, you had uh, you had some, some uh, something to say as well? Yeah, so uh, Kanye had one of those performances that you just remember, you know, for the rest of your life. Like, if you had to say what this album was, this album was LeBron's takedown block on Andre Iguodala. Shut That's up. how impactful this album Shut up. was. When have you ever seen somebody, a quarterback, a basketball player goes 27 for 27. And that's what Kanye did. He went 27 for 27. You downloaded the whole album? Yeah, and I put it on shuffle whenever and just listen to it. So anyway, 27 for 27, zero misses, zero skips. Everybody who Kanye graced with the feature did their thing. Fabio Foreign probably had the best feature on the tape. And yes, I'm taking Donda over Certified Lover Boy to clear up any confusion. What are the best three songs from uh, Donda? Best three, uh, off the grid, uh, jail, and I like remote control. All right, let me, let me see what you, off the grid. I'm gonna make sure I download these. I'm gonna give you a review next time we get a hop on. Off the grid, the one with Fabio, and Fabio. Okay. Okay. It's not, I think I'm going okay. to not like it. But uh, I'm going to have to completely disagree with both of you guys. Well, uh, probably Nick, because you, you went really hard advanced. You had a little bit more of an astute evaluation, how it more aligns with how I feel about the album. Um, I don't know if, you know, some of the hype turned me off about it in terms of the, the pump faking with the release dates or just the general, you know, the secrecy and going into it, not really listing anybody as a, official features on the album. <laughs> but um, I think I was disappointed. Uh, I, I was listening more for the features than anything else. Uh, like you said, the Off the Groove of Fabio Foreign, that was definitely the most memorable verse. You know, him and Jay-Z reuniting for a song. That was more of, how I say it, not, uh, it's remarkable to see them on a track versus uh, to the, the song that they actually produced. 
But um, it just wasn't something that uh, I'm not gonna put on. I'm not gonna download and just repeat it again. I, I contributed to the first week streams. You know, I, I ran through the album one time just to say I did it. But in terms of something that re-listenability, re-listenability, uh, it, it doesn't do it for me. So uh, how many songs have you downloaded? Uh, the the song that I've downloaded, I haven't done. I, I downloaded off the grid and I downloaded the Jay Z one. But the best song to me on the album was the one that uh that's not even on there officially. The the life of the party with Andre three thousand. Um, it was a, a a rip that Drake leaked on this Series XM station channel forty two. And um, I mean Andre three thousand comes around once every five years to make music. So whenever he does, he making a special appearance. Is a it's a big deal. And on that verse. The first, I think his verse is probably the first minute, minute and a half of the song. It's uh, it's real emotional. It kind of connected the themes that we thought Don was gonna, Donda was gonna be about in terms of Kanye's feelings toward his mother and the things that he had. Um, and the Andre 3000 just proved that he can still really rap and still really make really good music. So that was something that I had to, you know, we had to bootleg and download through the, the back channel of YouTube to get to. But that was my favorite song of the uh, of the of the, the Donda album. So. Yeah, I'm gonna give Adonda C, 75 out of 100. Maybe it would have been better with a without the without the pre-album release hype, but uh, it is what it is. So moving from Donda, to song, I, I, let me ask Nick this: Is this a top three Kanye album? Mm, no, because okay. it's not 100 percent Kanye. You think exactly. of Kanye's best album? His best album being my my beautiful, oh, my, dark, my twisted beautiful dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah, that being his best album, you look at that top to bottom, you can see Kanye's influence, Kanye's everything. Actually, bro, Justin Lil Boy said Kanye's album is going to change. What? Hold on, bro. We don't And it did. No. So we actually, I changed my mind. I was just about to say that was not the type of Kanye album. This is not the type of content. But it's number three, though. It's number three, but it's top three. On this show. And if you to go and, and, and uh, to quote him out of all people, I think I think Justin LeBoy was invited to a listening party, not none of us. So, of course, okay. I'm going to take his opinion. So just imagine what he's had to do for that, to get that invite. And that's all I'm going to say with that. Speaking <laughs> on uh, Certified <laughs> Lover Boy, um, I'm a national, I'm obviously I'm licensed. Obviously, I'm going to be a, a, a bigger Drake man anyways. And it was an album that actually was a little bit more excited about. And yet, um, equal amount of disappointment, honestly. Um, the Knife Talk, that was probably my favorite uh, song on there with Project Pat and 21 Savage. I really just like uh, Project Pat's intro. <laughs> of course, I, I thought you would say way too sexy. Sound like that's your type of vibe anyway. So, oh, that's a whole um, thing, I don't, I'm not, put your damn hand down. <laughs> um, I mean, Drake, I mean, we we covered it. We covered it a, a little bit over these, these five seconds. He's more of a pop artist, somebody that, controls radio hits and, and, and makes music for the masses and, and billboard streams versus, you know, which I prefer real rap, somebody like a no cab or a Rallo Rodriguez. So he made um he definitely made his mark in terms of what he he's trying to do coming out with uh coming out with CLB. But the for me the only two songs that I downloaded was uh Knife Talk and uh let me see the other one I had because I'm just blanking right now on the mission. 30 said we don't do that. Other song. Oh, then uh, seven a.m. on Bridal Path. That was really just because of the, the little back and forth he had with uh with Kanye. And then I did uh I downloaded the You Only Live Twice with Wayne just because for me at my age, anything anything I see Wayne on is, is gonna get an automatic download and a listen. So, but uh my overall recap of these two albums, two of the biggest artists of our generation delivering how I would see a lackluster performances. I definitely think that there was some uh, 
how I would say some artificial numbers created by the, the little seemingly competition that they had. I don't really think Drake or Kanye dislike each other too much, but it was more of a kind of industry thing. Because remember, this is uh, Kanye's second time having beefing with a major, uh, a, a major rival right before album release date. And well, we know how, he, uh, how it turned out with 50 Cent. And this also, this is the second time he's gotten outsold in one of these little uh, celebrity music beef battles. So this is a uh, kind of a continued marketing trend for Kanye. And, um, World worst Drake album ever? Yes, uh, by far. I just, this is still, I would say it's Nothing still too chill. For, 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 it, 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 not, that is, that's true. Nothing is, nothing is, is too timeless on here. I'm not going to lie. Mm, we just go through these. Now, knife talk might last. But it's not because of Drake. True. What about Fair Trade? To be honest, bro, I listened hmm. to, I listened to the album like straight through twice, two or three times. I did the same thing, bro. The first time I was just like, hmm. Second time I downloaded more. Man, I'm gonna lie. To I, I I usually hate to jump on these uh these 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 worst album best album takes so shortly after the album's been released, but um just going through at least Apple Music like Scorpion eh more life eh. Was Scorpion an album though? Mm. I mean, it was, was yeah. It tape? I feel like you only. I thought the only taste would be a uh, thank me later and then uh so far gone. I know more life. So, so and then uh, if you read it, it's too late. But uh, in general, oh, I'm just I'm just scrolling through Apple Music right now, looking at his 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 releases that are labeled as albums. But I'm um, just going through it. Uh, twenty song, twenty five songs. What three memorable hits? Talking about the the seven a.m. Umbrella Pass, just because of the Kanye way stuff, the knife talk, and then the way too sexy. Like three out of twenty five. You shoot like that in the NBA, you get sent to the bench. So, eh, it's real tough out here for, uh, for Drake and Kanye. Hopefully, they, I mean, they're more famous than for for uh, just being famous rather than the actual music at this point, at this particular point in time. So, hopefully, I guess we, we can get a, a bounce back project from either one of them. And then, huh, lastly, I know we do got to go, Nick. Sincerely, Contrail on pace to be a uh, young boy's with. Third or fourth album release, I can't remember at this point. Um, 21 songs, no features. Um, obviously, I'm down here in Texas, which can be referred to as Baby Louisiana at this point. And um, whatever feelings you have about NBA Young Boy, that he needs to pull out, he needs to wear condoms, he needs to stay out of jail. All very valid points at a certain point. But platinum selling artists, not gonna lie. YouTube, he's he's a He's on, he's on pace to sell between 135, 155 equivalent streams, album copies to, to, to dethrone Drake off of the number one billboard spot for a certified lover boy. And this is with no marketing, no promotion from YouTube, no, no push from Apple Music because of some of his legal circumstances. So, you know, what y'all thought about, what y'all thoughts about that sincerely contrail? I haven't listened to it yet. Hmm. I don't listen to young boy albums. I just wait till people start playing, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. So you're not a you are you a, a anti young boy guy? You're just indifferent to his music. He dropped like a hundred songs a month. I'm not gonna listen to every song. <laughs> you didn't answer the question. Are you do you do you actively avoid it, or do you just be like, is it, is it too much for you? I mean, like I explained it before, when young boy hit, he hit. But when he miss, he misses bad. Yeah. So I'm not gonna go through all the misses to find the hit. 
Okay, so you're just gonna you're, listen to what people playing, you know, with those car rides, all that. I and mean, if I hear something I like, I'm gonna be like, yo, what that is, let me get that. So you're telling you me you don't, you, don't have any, you don't have any young boy songs actively downloaded on your phone? No, I do, but I don't actively listen to young boy. If that okay. makes sense. I don't go out my way to, I don't be like, oh, young boy dropped, I gotta listen. Okay, so I'm, you're I'm the exact same way, bro. Okay. And, I mean, bro, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a solid artist, he's pretty good. But it, he does drop a lot of music in just a little amount of time, bro. So it's just like, if it hits, it hits. So I only downloaded two songs from the album. I listened to it all the way. Driving from Memphis to Jackson, I only downloaded two songs. One of them I already heard on TikTok. The, um, no, <laughs> like, come on, bro. So that, that done smooth. On me, like, it's a great song. So, but he, 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 he's gonna probably gonna drop another album before Christmas, if not on Christmas. So like uh I mean he's not bad. He's a solid artist, but you know, shout out to him. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about him. He does drop a boatload of music. But uh yeah, I'm glad to agree with my codes on this one. Anybody that, that claims to be sensible and, and uh and centered definitely have to not consider themselves a added young boy fan because um you'll just be a hitter if you listen too much of his music or you consume too much of it. So yeah, that's all I got for five man. All right, now we're entering week four of the NFL season. So I got to ask you guys, based off what you've seen, who are contenders and who are pretenders to just make the playoffs? Not win the Super Bowl, but just make the playoffs. We're going to do NFL teams this week. We're going to do college teams next week. So the first thing I'm going to have to ask you about is the one and two New England Patriots. They're in a division with the Dolphins, who lost their quarterback to it. They're in uh, the Jets, who might not win a game. And then we also had the Buffalo Bills, who's uh, the other contender. So the Patriots are a contender to make the playoffs. Remember, there's seven spots in both conferences. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say the Patriots are pretender. I think they put too much stock in Mac Jones too early. And we saw that Sunday uh, in their game against the Saints where Mac Jones just simply did not look good and that offense didn't look good. You say that, yes, there are three wild card spots in the AFC, mm-hmm. but you look at the AFC West and you got three undefeated teams in there right now. You look at the uh, AFC North with uh, Pittsburgh, the Browns, and uh, Cincinnati. I think there are just too many good teams in the AFC right now for the Patriots to get in with their inconsistencies on offense. Mm. I might have the – in terms of – in terms of like team legitimately legitimacy, I had to mark them as a uh, as a pretender as well. You know, some of the, a lot of the, the points that Nick pointed out, not a lot of the, the facts that Nick pointed out in terms of Mac Jones struggling, looking like that he was in over his head. Uh, I think a, a good chunk of that had to deal with uh, uh, their offensive line, which is something that we thought was going to be a point of sh- a, a, a unit of strength going into the season that has struggled not only to protect Mac Jones but to get consistent push in the run game. Um, we probably would be looking at him a lot different if uh if Damian Williams Damian Harris didn't fumble in that week two game uh they would have cost him that game cost him that game versus Miami, but again I think a lot of the, the sentiment that we expressed in our in our preseason uh divisional coverages definitely continues to prevail, um you know lack of downfield threat, Mac Jones being an up and down option for them and that defense while they had a they have a pretty good pass rush. They're just not holding up as uh, as well throughout the well, the entire unit. You, they you know they they preyed on uh, my man Zach Wilson throughout the the first game, but this is not a unit that that seems to be able to cover very effectively. They're gonna be heavily reliant on this front four. So in terms of team legitimacy, 
no, I'm gonna man, I'm gonna mark them down as a uh, pretender. But in terms of snagging a playoff spot, I just have to mark them down as a contender just because by default they're gonna be the the, the second best team in that, that AFC East. And uh, just depending on you know whether it's, whether the teams look like around the division around the conference, they probably be able to snag a, a wild card spot at eight and eight. So, you know. Do I think they're going to be a good team in the future of this season? No, but do I think they can compete for a playoff spot? Yes. Okay, next team, we're going to go up to the AFC North. We're going to go to a team that uh, was had the number five pick last season, but they're two and, two and one currently, first place in the division, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they have uh, Joe Burrow, who's thrown seven touchdowns so far through three games, and you also have Jamar Chase, his uh, old partner at LSU has four touchdowns through three games. Every three times he touches the ball, he scores a touchdown. So are the Cincinnati Bengals contenders or pretenders? This team is a contender. This team mm-hmm. is a contender. And I mean that. When you can beat Pittsburgh like that, a team who's always thought of at the head of that division, this team is definitely a contender. They've looked good through the first three weeks so far. And I think they have something special going on offense with Joe Burrow and the connections he has with those young receivers. Looking at uh looking at Jamar Chase, looking at T. Higgins. Like they have a very, very good offense. And Joe Mixon is coming along well, and I hope he stays healthy for the whole season. Yeah. Um huh. this is something that um, I label them as pretenders. I'm more of a I'm at the uh, I'm at the label them as a, a show me improving team. You know they have looked very explosive on offense. Like I said, a top five rushing in the NFL right now with Joe Mixon. You know the tri- three headed trio receiver with T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and uh, Jamar Chase, who has mostly uh alleviated all the concerns about his drops early in the season, and then uh Joe Burrow obviously. But uh, I think for this the, this Steelers win that I guess the, this argument would be based off of. You know you're missing. Two of your 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 two starting edge rushers and TJ Watt and Alonzo Highsmith, and um, that only they only got to they only got to Joe Burrow one time. I'm not a big believer in his offensive line, and I don't think that consistently week in and week out they'll be able to protect him. And uh, I think that they're kind of the following suit of last year, where you know they won't be able to consistently push the ball downfield or generate push in the run game just because of that that offensive line. So I, I there's it's an okay defense uh, that they, they haven't played too many dynamic teams. I mean they got the the best win for me would be that the Minnesota win versus the Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook. But in mm-hmm. terms of um, last week um, them playing uh, Pittsburgh, you know this is as a team with a, even a worse offensive line and then has that's had troubles generating pushing the run game behind uh, with Najee Harris. So I would just be interested to see you know they got Green Bay week five. They got Baltimore week seven and then uh, Cleveland week nine. If they can squeak out a win against one of those teams, then I'll be a little bit more uh, apt to name them contenders. But for right now, I'll uh, I'll still place them in the, the pretender category. Okay, so in the AFC North, I don't want any context. I just want to answer. Rank uh, the four teams. You have the Steelers, the Bengals, the uh, Ravens, and the Browns. Rank those four. No context, just rank them. I'm going to go Browns. No, actually, I'm going to go Ravens, Browns, Bengals, Steelers. I'm going to go Browns, Ravens, Steelers. I'm, I'm going to go Browns, Browns, Ravens, Bengals, Steelers. Okay. So now we're going to switch it over to the NFC. We're going to go with uh, the Minnesota Vikings, one and two right now. Top 10 quarterback in the league, Kirk Cousins. Are they pretenders or contenders? I think they're contenders, and I think they proved that with a win over Seattle uh, this weekend. 
Uh, you saw the defense step up, come up with some critical stops, and the offense has been hooping all season. Kirk Cousins is putting all of his doubters to shame, and he's uh, dispersing the ball very well. You come in with Thielen and Justin Jefferson, and you know what those two guys are going to do. And then K.J. Osborne hops on the scene out of nowhere, and Kirk Cousins is spreading the ball, getting the ball in his playmaker's hands, and creating a lot of points for that offense. So I think this is a team that can be a contender, especially down the stretch with that defense, mm. you know. No, I like it. Either uh, I'll mark them as contenders as well. Kirk Cousins is gonna he's gonna look you know marvelous for these first seventeen games. You got Davin Cook that's uh that's turning out hundred yard games from the backfield. Alexander Madison, you know his replacement looked uh, excellent last uh, in this game versus Seattle as well. You know you you, you play a a, a a super hot Arizona team to a one yard a one yard a one point uh, loss. You come out and uh, really may have a statement game versus Seattle with a, almost a two touchdown win over them. Um, like, like Nick said, this is an offense that's been putting the pieces together and they're slowly developing a defensive identity, you know, with Harrison Smith on that back end, Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, that pass was, you know, working nicely off their secondary. You know, the, the biggest thing for me is just upgrading the, the corner play. Patrick Peterson looked, has been looking a little shaky through week, uh, week three. You know, he is, what, 33, 34 years old, so it's something to be expected. But this is a, a, offense, a, a team that has some continuity on the offensive side and has the pieces to get on a, a defensive side to really uh, to make an impact. Okay. Who is more likely to NFC South, the mm-hmm. Panthers or the Saints? Panthers. I say that's easy. Right now, that's the Panthers. I'm going to have to agree with Josh. I'm going to say the Panthers, especially through three weeks. Sam Darnold has – he's been able to see things better than he did in New York. I'll just put it like that. This is a really good Carolina team, and I, I think they'll – I think they have a good chance to finish second in the division. Definitely so. You know, the Panthers with right now having the best defense in the field. Sam Darnold, you know, unfortunately looking like all he needed was a change of scenery scenery to prove that he was a top five pick. You know, and the weapons that he got around them, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and then, uh, you know, on the run game, Christian McCaffrey. We'll see how long he's out. But still, just being having uh, something that he can he can equally uh, – he can facilitate between being a game manager and somebody that pushes the ball down the field. So, we'll get a little bit more into it later. But I'm, I'm, I'm a really big proponent of this Panthers team. All right, last question. Who is more competitive, the AFC West or NFC West? No, no context, just the answer. NFC West, best division in football, without a doubt. They got what three top five teams in the NFC West, I'd say. I'm gonna have to say the AFC West. Mm. Mm. Three of the teams right now. So through the first three weeks of the season, you know, football fans and media members alike like to uh, take and run with certain narratives that have emerged through these early weeks of the season. You know, which teams are going to be good, which teams are going to be bad. You know, just a general overall uh, over overreactions to the, the first three games of the, of the season. So here at No Cow Sports, we're going to do a little bit of an overreaction segment. We'll take some of the um, – the biggest, some of the biggest narrative, overreaction narratives uh, throughout the season that I've researched and discussed, and we'll see how they, how true they are. So we'll just go, we'll go through it right now. The first narrative that I have presented for you, the team is Tom Brady will have his best season ever at age 44. Let me go on a little bit of a break now. He's on, uh, you know, analyzing Tom Brady's career. He's on pace to throw more touchdowns in his 40s than he is in his 20s. Um, he's he threw 167. He threw 167 touchdown passes in of his age 22, 20 to 29 seasons, especially considering that he took over Drew Henson a little later into um, 
his uh his career. And um, but no, he's already got 154 touchdown passes, you know, currently. And I think it's safe to say that he'll throw more than 13 throughout uh throughout this season. So just in terms of how many you know, the longevity and how many touchdown passes he's thrown so far, um, he's I said he's first um in NFL history with 154 touchdown passes in their 40s. Drew Brees is second with 57. And then, and then again, talking about the overall success of uh, Tampa Bay, um, before yesterday, which obviously they uh, they took an L to the Rams, they had set an NFL record with nine straight 30-point games. So, you know, this is obviously a guy that's not only, you know, surviving, but thriving into his age 44 season. You know, he's ranked number one on NFL.com's QB power rankings. And then even discussing uh, some of the things that he's uh, wanted to talk about. Probably he's, he's wanted to say, he stated multiple times that he's wanted to play until 50. And in a CNN quote that he uh, that he in a CNN story uh, that he told that he got what two weeks ago, he's actually said that the the game is a little softer than it used to be. So he is it's not he's not intimidated. He's still he's thriving as an older quarterback. And he seems to with the success that he's had this season and last season, obviously winning the Super Bowl. Um, he doesn't seem to be slowing at any time soon. So uh, Tom Brady at his best season ever at age forty four. What do you guys think? No, I'm giving mm-hmm. him a one. No way he touched that 2007 MVP season, man. That's one of the best. Uh, that's one of the best seasons, period, by a quarterback ever. That 2007 season, Tom Brady went 16 and 0, completed 68 percent of his passes, threw for 4,800 yards and 50 TDs. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Hold on, Nick, 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 Nick. But, but, are you saying he's not going to get it because of himself or because of the team? I'm saying it's impossible for him to top that. His own performance or the team performance? His own performance. And plus, I think team-wise, uh, they, they started out 2-0. Got to take into account who they played. The Cowboys gave them a run for their money. The Falcons are the Falcons. i say Sunday was their first time really being battle-tested, and we saw what happened. Come on, brother. No, don't, don't, don't do that. No, I mean, not bad. You know what I'm saying? Cowboys <laughs> gave them a good run. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's like when the JV squad gets a scrimmage against the varsity. And uh, then they get all hyped on, up because it's like, uh, this you getting off. You getting off. You know what I'm saying? You getting off. You getting off. You getting off. You getting off. Don't do that. My fault. Keep going. Dance. No, that was all I had to say. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, just looking at it, bro, I, I looked at the 2007's uh, depth chart. And I looked at the 2007 New England Patriots depth chart, and I looked at the Buccaneers depth chart, just offensively. The Buccaneers outrank that Patriots team everywhere except for wide receiver one, Randy Moss. I would say Randy Moss over Mike Evans. But uh, we look at wide receiver two, that's a toss-up. Uh, who do Antonio uh, Brown or – or uh, I would say either one of them over Wes Walker. That's just me. I don't know. Wes Walker's like, don't, don't get it twisted. But and then at the tight end spot, give me Gronk over Kyle Brady or Ben Watts. They're both with solid, but they're not Gronk, Gronk or they're not Cameron Bray or they're not OJ Howard. I'll take all three of them over any tight end for the Patriots. Then and running back spot, it's a toss up. You want Leonard Fournette or Kevin Falk? Uh, don't really matter, bro. They both do about the same thing. Tom Brady, 2007 Tom Brady or Tom Brady right now, who would I rather have? I think it really doesn't matter, bro. It's just like uh, Michael Jordan. In the 80s, bro, he was a different player than he was in the 90s, but he still was going to get it done. I think mm, I think he can do it, bro, especially with the extra game. 
So you're playing 17 games instead of 16. He'll definitely get all the cumulative records, but in terms of per game stats, bro, it's going to be close, but I, 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 mm, he's not going to win MVP. I don't think he is, just because everybody else is starting to catch up with him a little bit. But I, I, I think it's possible that he could have a, he could have a season just as good as the 2007 season. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how true do you think the statement is Tom Brady would have his best season ever at age 44? Five. It's 50-50. Mm, okay. I'll clean up the – clean the round table. Um, I, I'm going to go with at least – I'm going to go with a six and a half. Six and a half, seven. I was debating between the two. Um, Vance brought up an excellent point. You know, there is an extra game in terms of counting stats and accumulation and things like that. That will – I think that will uh, – surpassing all this, that 2007, but you mentioned. But outside of the – outside of receiver one, I really like this Tampa Bay offense better than that, that 2007 uh, New England offense in terms of the weapons that he has around him, the offensive line, and the – and just in general, the way that the game has evolved in terms of passing since uh, that 2007 season. Through two games, through these first two games, Brady has already thrown nine touchdown passes, which is a career high for him for, through the first two games of the season, which obviously wasn't – these uh, stats aren't updated for week three. You know, they struggled a little bit last week versus uh, the Rams. But, again, you're talking about Iowa feels arguably the uh, a top two or three in the defense. So – so I think that uh, a dip was gonna, was was to be expected for that game, but um I just the, the way that Tom Brady's been operating the past uh you know two seasons, obviously I think they're gonna uh, avoid the hiccup that they had in the early season of the early seasons of last year with what that uh with that four and three start that they had. Now that this is his second year in Bruce Arians' offense and he trusts him a little bit more and they uh, they have a, a better line of communication. And um, with Antonio Brown added as a third a, a receiver three, you know, that's one of the most dangerous receivers of all, of all time. I, I, will, I will put it more likely than not that he will have more higher counting stats this season than the 2007 season. Now, I won't say that, uh, I mean, in terms of in, in individual accolades, the MVP, I would probably, like you said, Nick, I don't, uh, like both of y'all said, I don't think he's going to win the MVP this year just because, you know, it's kind of almost a Jordan effect. People are tired of seeing his face in the league and tired of him for succeeding for so long. But in terms of, like I said, the counting stats and uh, the the success, or not, because that team went undefeated, and just overall counting, I'll say more likely not that Tom Brady has his best season this year. So, I uh, well, we're, we uh, I'm standing as a long soldier on that one, but it is what it is. I'm I'm used to standing ten toes by myself. Moving on to another team, <laughs> let's have let's lay down some surprises early in the season. The Carolina Panthers. 3-0 for the fifth time in team history. Sam Donald looks like maybe Cam Newton all of a sudden, and it's causing my tiny little jet heart to cry into multiple pieces. And uh, this defense is top in the league in overall rush, uh, is in, in overall defense in terms of yards giving up per game and rushing yards giving up per game. So, on the NFL truth meter, I have here the Pandas are a top five team in the top te- the top defense in the NFL right now. Uh. When we recorded for the podcast, I remember I said they might they might have been the second most complete team behind the Buccaneers. It was either them or the Saints. I had them going eight and nine, but I remember also saying I could see them winning eleven or twelve games. That's even more so uh, even more so of a fact now. Them starting off a three and zero, I had them still starting off hot, but I had them dropping uh, four games in a row. But now those four games I had them losing, all of those could easily be does. I had them losing to the Patriots. That look, that's looking more so like a dub now. 
the Cardinals. That's a toss up. Washington football team, they don't have a quarterback. They're going to beat them. Don't disrespect Taylor Heineke on this podcast. They don't have a quarterback. They're going to beat them. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, same thing. They don't have a quarterback. They're going to beat them. Now, they look good, man. Like, like Nick said, they have Sam Darnold. He gets the job done. He does his 111. I think they're a top five team. I think, ooh, I mean, bro, that pass rush is crazy that they have. And if you can get to the quarterback, you can do anything you want in the NFL. And they can win games ugly. They can win in a high-scoring affair. They got, they have a, a maybe a top five receiving core, bro. It might be top five just as a whole core. Yes. I, I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, yeah. right now they are a top five team. So I'm, 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 I'm gonna give it a seven on the truth meter. I like it. You know, just talking about referring to that uh, that Patrick that you, you you talked about, man. You got Brian Burns, you got Derrick Brown. You know, this is an organization that has invested heavily on defense within a recent draft. Uh, they had the highest percentage. They had the highest uh, sack percentage rate uh, for dropbacks in the NFL, fourteen uh, percent, and they lead. They're leading the league currently with ten sacks. Um, like I said, Brian Burns is a guy that I see as a, a future All Pro, Pro Bowl guy. If not this season, and next season, just because of the the speed, the power, the the highway speed combination they offer us to combine with the the technicality of his hand movements and his uh, his ability to work his hands and his hips and beat you in a multitude of ways coming off the edge. So I think that he's uh, somebody that projects a a Von Miller, Miles Garrett type in terms of perennial All Pro production. Um, the only thing that I will see setting back this team right now is Christian McCaffrey missing an extended period of time. You know, hopefully this is not a trend for him. He only played three games last year, three or four games last year. But prior to this, I don't, he's played all 16. He had played in all 16 games the previous three seasons. So it's not a, it's not an aspect of, you know, continued long-term health problems. So as long as they can get Christian McCaffrey back within the next three to four weeks, because uh, the supporting cast that they have around him, they have they have the ability to go two and two or three and one, three and one without him, and you bring him back is arguably the best back in the league right now. Um, I will, I will, I'm going to put it at ten. I love this defense. I love the way they're performing, and it's not like uh, they're relying on takeaways or fluke plays to to generate um, to, to to like the Cowboys have been to just um, to generate stops and to generate uh, like I said pressures. This is a team that's getting after you on first, second, and third downs. And then it looks to be, like I said, uh, a not a generational defense, but a, a, a the top defense in the NFL right now. So for me, True Media is on 10, just like me. I'm always on 10. <clears throat> so we'll transition to another team that um, hasn't looked as promising as the, the Panthers, but um, has an MVP candidate at a quarterback right now, and that is the uh, LB Raiders. No, not Louis Vuitton, Las Vegas. This is a particularly surprising for them just because there was so much turmoil in the front office before. And um, this team doesn't really, doesn't really have a precedent of success. You know, John Gruden, you know, came from the Monday Night Football booth into, uh, into coaching for the first time. You know, well, over a decade since his run at Tampa Bay, hasn't looked good. 19 and 29, his first three seasons, you know, and obviously that, that has been worse than the guy that uh, he got, the guy that got fired before him, Jack Rio, who was 25 and 23 in his three seasons. Uh, Mike Mayock, again, they have the, the Raiders just seem to have a thing for bringing guys off of the TV and putting them in their front office. Mike, Mike Mayock, um, his draft, his draft has been less than stellar. Look at guys like uh, Klein, Farrell, um, their, four, their, their first round pick last year. Um, just doesn't seem to be a guy that's going to pan out. Someone like Damon Arnett, 
um, their first round corner from a couple years ago. Just um, Mike Mayock to be a, a draft expert hasn't done too well in the draft in his stint so far, and has even admitted on record that uh, <laughs> this year basically he needed the the Raiders need to make the playoffs to save his job. So um, I think this they're doing their best to fulfill that promise for them. Derek Carr through three games has over twelve hundred passing yards, leads the league in passing yards, and has a uh, has emerged as an MVP candidate. And he's over 100 yards ahead of the second-place guy. But uh, the biggest thing for me, <laughs> you know, being the D-line guy, has been uh, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe. You know, Max Crosby leads the league right now with 15 pressures. He's always been kind of a, I would say, an underrated pass rush in terms of his ability to beat you off the edge with his hand movement. He's not going to he's not gonna uh, just blow past you with his speed or his first step. But he's been a consistently uh, a consistently – a consistent habit credit on the defensive line. And then we, you, we know Yannick Ngakwe's a track worker. And it's just um, to, him, to see him put it all together this year, at least for these first three games for Las Vegas, it's really helped him develop that chemistry along the defensive front. So my overreaction for the first three weeks of the season for the LV Raiders, Las Vegas, now Louis Vuitton, is deeming them a playoff team. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how true do you think this statement is? I'm gonna have to give it a. I'm gonna give it a four, because we know the Raiders. We know what the Raiders do. This is out of the AFC West. This is the team that's most likely to fall off. You look at the Chiefs. Mm. Yeah, they want to right now, but I think they have a bounce back coming. You look at uh, the Chargers. I think Justin Herbert and that team. They're always well constructed. Always play good football. The injury bug just hits them. If that team stays healthy, that's a legitimate team right there. And you look at the Raiders. They just win ugly. And I don't know how long you can sustain that. You look at what they did this past Sunday going to overtime with the Dolphins. Not just the Dolphins, but the Jacoby Brissett-led Dolphins. So I think this team, this is a gritty team, but I'm not exactly sure if they're going to be a playoff team. I think coming down the stretch, they're going to be in some similar situations and not have the success they've had so far. These guys have played two overtime games in the first three games. When they show me something in terms of winning the game straight out, being dominant from start to finish, that's when I'll put more chips in uh, towards the table on this team. But right now, my uh, I I gotta I gotta give them a four in terms of them making the playoffs. I'm not I'm not completely sold on this Raiders team yet. Mm. What say you, Mr. Loss? That's wild, bro. I was gonna say ten. I think they definitely mm. uh, they they look really good. That pet that when you can rush the passer, bro, you can get all types of wins. You can sneak them in. I don't care. You can mm. win if you can win ugly, bro. You can win any game in the NFL at any time. And so you have Max Crosby, like you said, Yanni Nguakwe. Even uh, Carl Nassar's doing his thing, bro. It's the the pass rush is getting there. They was uh, giving Lamar Jackson trouble. The Ravens had them beat dead to rights, bro. They came back and won that game. And if you can do that uh, against the Ravens, a team that runs the ball up fourteen, you can come back on them and do it, bro. You can do it against any team. I'm saying. My thing is, bro, they're three and zero right now. They could just as easily be one and two and it'd be a different story. Yeah, bro. I mean, but they're not. If you, bro, if you find if you find ways to win, bro, all people can do is like that's the only thing they can do. So, I mean, then Brian Edwards, he's looking like a legitimate wide receiver. He's not even a wide receiver one, but he's getting off the way the way their offense is schemed. If you're the X receiver and you got the one on one, they're gonna throw you the ball. And Brian Edwards is winning all of his one v ones. I don't care how bad, how much you want to climb the Steelers, that defense is still good. They hung 30 on the Steelers. You hang, you hang 30 on the Ravens. 
And then uh, who did they just beat yesterday when they was down 14 to two in the, at the end of the first quarter? Miami. Miami. The, Miami's defense is legitimate. They're, they just tore up three legitimate defenses. They tore them up. Put points on the board, bro. And their defense is nice as well, bro. They're a complete team. Now they're in a they're in one of the hardest divisions, but don't forget, you get three extra wild card spots in the AFC South. It's only the Titans. Coach 0 and 3. They're the only other team with a chance in hell. Uh who else? The AFC uh East. Patriots not gonna get it done. Let's be honest. The Patriots not gonna they, they have a rookie quarterback, they're not gonna make it. So it's just the Bills. So at least the AFC North. And the AFC West to fight for three extra spots. I like it. I like it. I'm gonna. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go with a sixth. I'm not as confident as my friend Vance here, but um, I, I just like the way that this team has been looking so far. I'm not super confident about it because I'll, I'll be a. I'll just be a little bit closer to Nick's evaluation in terms of having how this team has gotten out high before, and how you know at the end of the day the Raiders gonna Raider. So I, I'm gonna. I want at least a, a, a bigger. Uh, uh, sample side before I declare them true legitimate playoff contenders. But again, like Vance pointed out, with the extra wild card spot, there's more opportunity for more teams to, to make the playoffs with uh, less than ideal schedules, less than ideal records, and more and more holes. So, you know, this 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 Raiders team right now, Derek Carr, um, he's performed like this before. He's played in, in over his head, you know, the first three, four, five weeks of the season, and has come down to earth a little bit. So I, I, I want to see just consistency from this team more than anything else. You know, Derek Carr can keep playing at this level. If this pass rush, Max Crosby, Yannick and Gakwe can, t- can continue to um, get to the pressure and pressure uh, um, generate sacks and hurries in the fashion they do, then um, this this rating will go up if we address this situation. Uh, if we address the same overreaction later on down the line, you know, even in the season last year when they beat Kansas City at home, that was kind of uh, was the shining moment of, of their season, and then it kind of all came crashing down on them. So. This is a, a team that's been really up and down. We've seen, like I said, high performance from them in the, in the beginning, and it hasn't always translated to, to later in the season or postseason success. So I'm at a six. Uh, I just need We need to see the defense come in, come again, you know, weeks four, weeks five, weeks six. I want to see how they, they measure up against uh, Los Angeles and San Diego, Los Angeles and uh, Kansas City to, to mark the true line of demarcation. But um, I decide with Vance in terms of being impressed with those the, those Baltimore and Pittsburgh wins because, like he said, those are two legitimate top five, top ten defenses in the NFL. And for Derek Carter really ball out and to do those things with Josh Jacobs still uh, underperforming and being hurt in both of those games, that says a lot about Derek Carr's ability to carry offense single handedly with uh with Waller and Ruggs. So I'm a little I'm a little bit more confident than my man Nick, but a lot less confident than my man Vance. So we'll play it like that. Rounding out this uh AFC West discussion, going to the Chiefs. Um, truth meter, how big of uh the Chiefs are in trouble? How big? How how uh how confident do y'all feel about that being the true statement? You know, the defense has been less than ideal. 29th in total yards allowed at over 430 yards a game. 31st in rush yards allowed a game. You know, 160. They got the fourth most. Turn- they had the fourth most turnovers in the in the league right now with uh two bad ones yesterday in the red zone versus uh, LA. But then Mahomes with a less than idea of no look interception that maybe just a little bit sign of slippage and uh and consistency and focus with the the, the case. It was right? his fault, bro. It, it hit the dude. But I, I'm, if he, it if, the, if the ball chair. placement had been where it was supposed to be, it was it, it was, it was, it was still behind him. If he was looking, you got they're not gonna tell me. 
if he had placed it exactly where it's supposed to be, he wouldn't. Have, I mean, he could have dropped it still, but just the fact that it, it's still a bad look, man. It's however you want to pay. So he shouldn't have caught the ball. Uh, he should have, but the ball placement could have been better. The ball placement could have been better. Mm. And then to round that out, uh, Mahomes has his lowest QBR rating at a seventy-six point one in his first three seasons. Uh, he had the lowest QBR rating uh, since his first full-time season in twenty eighteen through three games, which is at seventy-six point one, which is still you know really good, but uh, not the elite level that we're used to seeing this Kansas City offense and this Kansas City superstar quarterback operate at. Um, you just talk about a sloping defense, you know, a, just a, a slight dip in performance from Pat Mahomes, and then you take it to uh, account <clears throat> Andy Reid's hospitalization. You know, that's something obviously we wish him the best in terms of a, a full recovery from his health. But um, you know, it, we we know as, as former players, it can be difficult. Uh, Vance only being the only former player on the, on the team, me and Nick being current players, um, to have a uh, your head coach, the, the un, most unquestioned voice in your locker room, the rock of your team, to go like to go down like that. They can cause um some 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 stirs in the locker room just in terms of uh consistency and the, the practices throughout the week, um being able to focus and have that that like I said that one voice that controls the narrative in the locker room. I know these are professional athletes, but still to see a uh, your leader go down and not know his status for the next game, it can shake you up quite a bit. So um, how true on a scale of one to ten do y'all believe uh, this statement? The, the Chiefs are in real trouble. Zero. Zero. Chiefs are somewhere with their feet kicked up on the desk. They're fine, bro. They're fine. You talk about a bad defense, part of that goes on the offense. You turn the ball over six times, the defense is tired. They're on the field. The Chiefs have no reason to be worried. They've been to the Super Bowl two years in a row. They're fine. They're going to figure things out. Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. This is the best offense in the league. Sometimes it just takes time to adjust. And I think that's what's going on right now. They're adjusting. They're seeing how teams are playing them now. They had a hard first three games. Looking at back-to-back with the Ravens and the Chargers, they're fine, bro. They're fine. It's nothing to worry about. Mm. What say you, Vance? Just out there real quick, bro. Technically, the Cowboys are better than the Chiefs. But anyways, uh, I, I, I'm right for right now, I'm going to say a five. Mm. And, I'm going to say a five just because I think teams are starting to get a formula of how to beat, how to beat them. So everybody knows they had a bad defense. They've had a, a horrendous defense for the past five years. So uh, the way to beat the Chiefs is let Travis Kelsey eat. Just don't let Tyree beat you over the top. And the last two games, the Ravens and the and the Chargers have both done that. So and against the Ravens, Travis, Travis Kelsey had half of his yards on that one play where he broke all those tackles. So he had seven catches for 109 yards. Tyreek Hill had three catches for 14 against the Ravens. Against the Chargers, Travis Kelsey just about had the exact same thing, seven catches for 104 yards. Tyreek Hill had five catches for 56 yards. We, Tyreek Hill, we, we're used to him getting those 56 yards on one play. So they're starting to get the get get the formula going on how to beat the Chiefs. So all these games are – it's not like they're getting blown out or anything. They're just losing uh, real close games. And so basically they're making the Chiefs actually drive the ball instead of extending the game out to where the more possessions the Chiefs get, they're going to actually beat you in the beat you in the end probably by 10 points or more. So that defense is trash. It, it's, and then it's not going to get any better. You gave Patrick Mahomes $50 million, So let's just say one player on the offense gets hurt. They signed, they signed Orlando Brown. He's not a good scheme fit. He's not a good pass, pass rusher for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So once uh, as the contract keeps going on and on more and more, they're going to be able to 
they're not going to be able to sign a marquee player, you know, to help them out where and wherever they need them is. They're probably going to have to sign a rookie or, or a vet on a vet minimum. So I'm going to say a five. I'm going to go – I'm going to lean into what the, the, the couple of the points that Van stated at the end in terms about that Chiefs defense. Yes, it hasn't it hasn't been a stellar unit, these uh, this uh, Super Bowl run, this, this run of success that they've had recently. But the defense has never been this bad. You know, Tyron Matthew, Travis Sorensen usually had uh, some, some, some type of help, at least in the secondary, to kind of support them. This year, they haven't been able to cover anybody. You know, we saw that in the Cleveland game. Like, this team is really, really close to being 0-3 right now. And I don't care how talented you are in the NFL, getting off to an 0-3 start, you know, it's only it's only 17 games. You don't you, you don't get uh, – the, the playoff picture doesn't take into account what you've done previously or how talented you are. Um, you, you talking about up front, you know, Frank Clark, uh, Chris Jones, both were hurt last game. But even when they were on the field, you know, Chris Jones had two sacks, I think, last week, week two. But he hasn't been as effective as he has been previously, him or Frank Clark. So you're talking about a, a diminished secondary, uh, a diminished uh, pass rush up front. And then there's the overall lack of talent and investment in the, their defense uh, within the organization in terms of from the draft. This team only has two first rounders on their their entire uh, defense. Talk about DeAndre Breaker, and uh, I think and Chris Jones. And that it'll be all. So that's the only two first rounders. This team has been heavy on all offense, no defense. And um, when you're talking about a system that runs like that, your offense has to be able to consistently click to be able to. You have to have a generational talent, which they do with Pat Mahomes. Which is at the end, well, I'm only going to give this uh this truth meter a, a, a two out of ten, but there something has to be done about this defense. I think that in terms of like I said the ambiguity of the argument, um, are they in trouble? No, but if they want to reach the levels of success that they've accomplished previously and get back and win another Super Bowl, which I know is uh, Andy Reid's goal, they they had to do something about the defense, quick, fast, in a hurry. But let's talk about a team uh, in the NFC West, the best division in football in my eyes, that uh, looks like they're going to be competing for a Super Bowl, and that is the Los Angeles Rams. Um, as a guy, as a, a, a man of my word, I do like to admit when I'm wrong and when I've uh, misspoken. And uh, one of the biggest uh, points through uh, our, our divisional breakdowns that I kept emphasizing was I did not think that, Jared Go- that Matt Stafford was a, uh, a big upgrade over Jared Goff in terms of consistency and uh, playmaking ability for this Ram defense. Well, your boy was wrong. Matt Stafford threw three games, fifth in the league in passing yards at 942, and second uh, in the league in touchdowns with nine. Uh, Cooper Cup leads uh, the entire league in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Um, coming for the, the receiver triple crown and kind of has been undisputably the best receiver in, in the game through week, uh, three games. They ended Tampa Bay's nine-game streak of, thir- of having scored 30 points or more in a row. And then you talk about uh, you still have the two best defensive players in the league in my in my account, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Aaron Donald has just looked like his, his dominant self. He, the, the stats haven't translated in terms of, you know, sacks and TFLs. But we know as an interior D line advance that the numbers aren't always, aren't always going to tell the true story of, of impact of somebody like AD is going to make it inside. And then just the adding another wrinkle to the, the defense side of the ball, moving Jalen Ramsey around it to nickel. That has been an interesting look. It's allowed, them, uh, to, it's allowed him to help in the, the one weakness I see in this round team as, a, as in the run defense just because their main guy out front, 
Aaron Donald isn't the best run defender, and they're surrounded with a, a bunch of pass rushers, so that interior run game is going to be a little bit lacking. But uh, bringing Jalen Ramsey in the box and allowing him to play nickel has, um, has allowed him to, to ease some of the, those run game concerns and make him more of a, a chess a chessboard guy, somebody of a, a Derwin James, Tyron Matthew guy, uh, role in terms of playing that money backer, somebody that's going to be all over the field versus just shadowing your best receiver. So for this Rams team, I have marked uh, this overreaction uh, statement as the Rams are Super Bowl favorites. So on a scale of one to ten, how true do you think that statement is? Put that at about uh, seven. Seven. Mm. I think you look around the NFL, there are a lot of good teams, a lot of good Super Bowl contenders. I believe the Chiefs are still a good contender, Ravens, Bucks. You got the Packers, 49ers even. There are a lot of contenders for the Super Bowl this year. So I'm not going to put all of my chips in on the Rams, but I like what the Rams have with Matt Stafford coming in, with that trio of receivers. We saw Deshaun Jackson finally uh, come on Sunday, and that defense is still elite. So I think they have all the makings of a Super Bowl team. I'm just not a hundred percent sold that this is the clear best team in the NFL right now. What say you, Mr. Loss? Oh, oh, that's kind of high, but I'm gonna go even higher. I'm gonna say an eight. So the way the way I see it is there's no there's not really any teams that's like just really just sad in the NFL except for like two, maybe three teams. And I, anybody could be anybody any given Sunday, especially this is probably the most even. NFL uh, slate, of, slate of teams I've seen probably since maybe I was a kid. Uh, but I, I, I'm going to give it an eight. Right now, they are the favorites. They actually – they're probably the only team in NFL that has Tom Brady's number, bro. In terms of t- whenever Tom Brady plays their team, he just struggles. I don't know why. I mean, well, I do know why. They have two of the best defenders in the NFL. And then Scott McVay is a great coach, bro, especially offensively. If you watch that game um, against the Buccaneers, he – Deshaun Jackson was taking the top off their defense. And if Matt Stafford would have connected, it would have been a lot worse than a 10-point loss. It would have been a skunk. So uh, they, they look good in all phases. But, you know, any given Sunday, bro, anybody could lose. 49ers could catch them slacking in the playoffs. The Packers could catch them slacking in the pay- playoffs. I mean, you know, I mean, things just happen. But right now, I think they're – anytime if you have a betting line, they're going to be the favorites to win. Mm, okay. We all seem to be uh, – we're all going to translate our numbers to above-average confidence in the Rams as Super Bowl favorites. I'm going to go with a six. Um, slightly less confident than you guys. Uh, we know uh, with the NFL, regular season games matter more than any other professional league. But we, we, we do know that there is still a significant jump in terms of uh, how the game is played in the – not the seriousness, but the, the speed of the game in the playoffs – Versus um the regular season, so yes, they did just defeat the the defending Super Bowl champions uh, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I definitely, well, first of all, a they were at so five. B, um, that's probably one of the in terms of TD production. That was one of Tom Brady's worst games, um, not his career, but in the, especially these this first this first this regular these first three weeks of the regular season. So I would uh I would bank on them being able to convert a little bit better in the red zone in the playoff game, and then um. Uh, just the division that they're in. I, it's kind of comparable to how you can't really mark a, a betting – well, you can't with Alabama. But in terms of going to the SEC gauntlet, you don't really want to mark any team as a, as a, 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 a college football or Super Bowl favorite because of the gauntlet they go through week in, week out. You look at the NFC West, you got them. You got the Rams, you got the Cardinals, you got the uh, – got the – I said the Bucks. You got the Seahawks, you got the 49ers. 
Um, I think I would say that's the only division with three top five teams and then all four teams being in the top ten and uh, having to play uh, eight games against top ten teams. Oh, 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 I already told you, but Seahawks, and uh, they're not that this year, bro. Bro, you, they still got Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and DK. Here, that's nice and all, but they not that. The Falcons got Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan, bro. Kyle. Neither, neither one of those. That is not you no. Know, you just All you right, just, you just compare Millsaf to Prairie View and M University. I, I, it's I, different I, levels to it. I'm okay, sorry. yeah, this year maybe, but you know, I, it, it is what anyways. it is in terms of, you know, I think that the the them having to play essentially the toughest schedule, the top ten teams, eight games out of the year, nine games out of the year. I think that a they won't go in as a record that is indicative of how good they are, and b it kind of just uh, beats them up throughout the season and allows them to to be slowed down and, and their weaknesses to be exposed in the way that wouldn't be if they were in like you say the AFC West or the AFC East, or some of the weaker divisions in the league. Okay, so now that we've covered the major NFL storylines that we've missed, now we got to talk some college football, bro. After seeing what three, four weeks of football action, how do y'all think the college football playoff and the top four teams will shake out? Um, first of all, I think that this year's uh, college football landscape is a uh, is talking about in terms of upsets with Clemson, Oklahoma struggling, is a uh, bringing the parity that a lot of people uh have, have said that they wanted. You know, for the longest time, is you know you sort of pencil in. Um, Bamba, Clemson, OU into that uh, that top three or four. So I think that uh, this year with some of the the quality of, the quality of play and the upsets that have happened, I think that it definitely um, a step in the right direction in terms of parity within college football. But um, that being said, I don't think it's uh, too too much different than what we'll see we've seen from the past year. Um, obviously, I have Bama first. You know, Bryce Young has looked um, probably as the most dynamic quarterback Alabama has had in a long time. Taking it all the way back to uh, to Jalen Hurts with his ability to uh, make plays outside of the pocket, you know, deliver balls timely, deliver balls timely to his receivers, and uh, makes things happen with a I would say probably a less than uh, ideal uh, receiving core for for Alabama. So, like Alabama in number one, number two, um, George. Uh, each week that Clemson win that they got looks less and less impressive. Uh, we'll probably see how that dictates towards it, how that is dictated toward the end of the season. But uh, still, you know, you have the best defense in the country. You have a uh, JT Dan as a USC transfer, um, diamond the ball out. You got a good run game with Zamir White and James Cook. And um, I mean, that's a recipe for success within the SEC. So uh, Kirby Smart has really got these Bulldogs churning since he left up under Nick Saban's wing. And I think it's safe to say that. Uh, Without any hiccups, they'll be in a they'll be in the CFB playoff as well. Third, um, I got Oregon. Obviously, we know about the um, the upset win of Ohio State. You know, the, one of the things that Nick has run down in his notes is uh bringing that uh SEC football to the Pac-12 in terms of you know, the physicality of front with the offensive and defensive line. And uh, being a lifelong uh, Oregon fan, Oregon was my, one of my favorite teams coming up. Um, that is shocking to see. You, you're referring, you're talking about um. Oregon's past championship appearances in the, in the Fiesta Bowl versus Ohio State um, versus Kansas State, a team like that. That was an area in which they struggled at creating movement up front um, and also having the guys to physically compete with the SEC team. So to see them dominate a, uh, a Big 12 or Big 10 school, which is known for the, the big uglies up front, that was definitely interesting to see without uh, your best player, Kevon Thibodeau. So Anthony Brown, he's a 
probably on this list of my uh, high, uh, my college football playoff teams, he's probably the worst. Um, he's definitely more of a game manager than somebody that's going to win games by itself. But you got a, a C.J. Verdell, you got a Travis Dye, <laughs> and you got a, a offense, you got a Verone McKinley back there um, leading the nation in pick right now or tied for the lead, I believe. So they're, uh, they're set up for success within the Pac-12. You know, the, the Pac-12 is not too competitive. They're the runaway favorite to, to win. I think there's only, what, three ranked teams in the conference right now with I mean, it's, they're more virtue of lack of competition within the conference to, to waltz their way into the, the college football playoff. And then on the bubble spot, the four spot, which is always the most interesting spot for this uh, playoff, um, I had the one of the Cincinnati-Notre Dame game coming up this weekend. Um, Cincinnati has been uh, the, the, the G5 darling. They got a legitimate uh, Heisman candidate in Desmond Ritter, somebody that uh, has dominated Memphis and also just taken over the – the college football landscape with his uh, dual threat ability. So, you know, Cincinnati is um, a legitimate power five team in terms of these means of offensive talent. And I think that even both of these teams, actually Notre Dame and Cincinnati, don't have a, a ranked team on their, don't have a ranked team of the rest of the way on their current schedule. So um, I think Cincinnati is seventh, Notre Dame is ninth. Um, whichever team wins that game has the inside track to making a college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if they would not, I feel like if Notre Dame wins, they're probably going to sell. So, yeah. So, at least Ooh. later on in the season, bro. I mean, I just don't, I, I haven't been impressed. They don't have, but last week was kind of impressive with Wisconsin. I don't know. They, that was their second loss. So, they're not that impressive either. So, I'm going to get the first two teams out of the way quick and easy, bro. You know, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Alabama, and Georgia, one of the for first two spots. They might not be ranked one and two, but they're definitely going to be in there. My third spot. The Ole Miss Rebels, bro, the best offense in college football right now. I'm telling you, bro. So they, they got two hard games coming up back-to-back. Back. They got Alabama and Arkansas. All they have to do is split that. So if they split those two games, bro, you're going to have uh, – after that, it's a, it's a cakewalk until you get to the SEC championship. Unless you lose to Alabama and then you don't have to play in there, you, you go into the college football playoff with only one loss. They're going to let them in. So. Uh, you got uh, Tennessee after Arkansas. It's Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, Liberty, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, and then Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. The hardest game might be Texas A&M. Their defense might be able to slow them down, but Texas A&M can't score themselves, bro. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Ole Miss. I'm going to go as far to say that they're going to beat Alabama this weekend. I, I'm oh, my gosh, thanks. What's up with this hot take, bro? We, I know we, we can. We, no, we, they're gonna beat them. I'm telling you, they're going to beat. I know that them. you. And they have a mobile quarterback. They have a quarterback that's gonna put up points. Y'all can look at like y'all can look crazy, but we get back on this pod next week, bro. I want my apologies. You're talking about mobile quarterbacks. You're talking about all-time guys in terms of a uh, college football. Matt ball. Corral is about uh, to win the Heisman. Uh, what are you talking about? Okay. Am I wrong? Uh, yes. Look at me, stupid. He's not going to win the Heisman? Yes. First of all, like we, I t- we discussed this off the air before we came out here. Ole Miss is in the SEC West with Alabama. I, I mean, crazy things have happened before, but I don't think the committee is going to put three SEC teams in the college football playoffs. Yes, they will. But, all right, all right. So let, let me let me ask you this. Let's just say Alabama, Ole Miss would have to beat Alabama or would have to, to get to the SEC championship game and beat Alabama this year, this this week coming up to even qualify for it and then go undefeated the rest of the way. I feel like I feel like the, the second place team in the SEC uh West 
doesn't even have to make the uh, SEC championship game to make the playoffs. I, I disagree very much so. I don't think they're going to put in a, I would assume, a one-loss Ole Miss team. That if, even if they can just have one loss, it's Alabama is the only game they lose, which looks unlikely with the way Arkansas is playing. If they lose to Bama and they don't make it an SEC championship game and you have two of the college football playoff teams in the SEC championship game, nah, bro, I don't see it happening. Okay. I mean, but I, I, I'm telling you right now, when there's three teams at the end, I, it, it's going to happen, bro. So Oregon's going to sell. I don't think they're going to make it. Cincinnati, I think they'll take a one-loss second-place SEC West team over Cincinnati. But we, we all know they would do that. That's just how they that's just how they do little schools, bro, G5 schools. Oh, well. I think they deserve to get in. That doesn't mean they will get in. I think um, Oklahoma, they're, they're the best team in the Big 12. I think it's only them and Baylor left that's undefeated. Yeah. Both going to lose a game. Uh, ACC, Clemson already lost two games. They're out of there. Notre Dame is going to lose again before this season is over. Let's, so, and then you can go to the Big Ten, Ohio State. Mm, they might win now. I highly doubt it. But uh, my fourth team, I'm going to go with Iowa. I think uh, their schedule sets them up. I know it's you, bro, but you know. You indeed. Crazy things have happened, bro. They got an easy schedule. They play Penn State. Penn State's not that good. That Auburn win doesn't look good anymore. It doesn't. They they had a whiteout, a hundred k plus COVID fist, just <laughs> Auburn, and they barely beat them. That, that's not even a good win. Bo Nix is trash. Uh, they got to play Purdue, Wisconsin. They'll beat Wisconsin. Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska. None of those. I mean, they might slip up one game, but you can get into the championship if you are a power five school with one loss. What's and if you win the conference. Yo, that's what I'm saying. So if you win the conference with one loss, you're going to get in. But I think the oh, Ole Miss, the eye test, bro, I'm telling you, the eye test is what's going to make them pop. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be, I really think they're going to go undefeated until they play Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think Alabama going to be the team left out, honestly. If Ole Miss can go undefeated in the SEC uh, gauntlet, then they 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 more than deserve it. I don't think they just got to pass these first two weeks. That's what I'm <coughs> Alabama, Arkansas, after that, it's a cakewalk. Asking these first two weeks is no easy task. It's not, bro. Yeah, but they, he's saying it like this is two, two really good teams. Lane, in Lane, the best team in the country, another team, top ten team in Arkansas. I, 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 I see a realistic scenario where Ole Miss loses both of those games, and then, it's possible. I see a scenario when they win, when they win both. Well, let me ask you this, Vance, talking about uh, some of your picks. Because I will, I will take Penn State over Ole Miss and Iowa just because they're one of the two teams I think in the country. With two ranked with two ranked wins over Auburn and Wisconsin, bro, Who neither one is ranked anymore. They're not good. I'm, I'm just saying one of the two teams in the country with two ranked wins. Arkansas is the only uh, other team that had two ranked wins right now so far. You think Penn State gonna win out? Um, no, they're not. Do they, 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 they gotta play Ohio State again? But they still um, have to play at Iowa, at Ohio State, Michigan, and they have to play at Michigan State. Ole Miss winning these improbable ass games. If Penn, if, if Ole Miss can beat Alabama, then uh, but Penn State has to win four of those games, four against ranked conference opponents. Michigan's better than Penn State. I think it's Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, and then Penn State. But that's just me. I think Michigan's finally better than Ohio State this season. Mm. That would be a good game. That would be. 
I don't know. I just, I have a, let me ask you this, Vance. Who is, are you talked about who you will put in? Who do you think is better? Uh, Cincinnati or Penn State? Or Cincinnati or Iowa? That's what you had in there. You said Cincinnati or, mm. I like, I like Cincinnati's talent. You know, they got Saul Gardner, you know, a lockdown corner, uh, Mondroy Sanders. You know, that's, that's a legitimate defense. And Luke Fickle is not a guy that's a, a spring chicken. Came from Ohio State, you know, still got a roots established in, uh, in Ohio. And um, he's got that program rolling. So, I mean, a lot of people look at it as a, a, a G5 school, but uh, they, could, they could compete in any conference in America. So. Mm, I, I'm, I'm going to say Iowa. Just because I saw Cincinnati play Georgia last season. It was a, it was a good game in the bowl game. But they also played a, a common opponent in Indiana. And they barely beat Indiana. I don't. I mean, I'm not. Indiana should have won that game last week against Cincinnati. I'm up for right now. I'm gonna say Iowa. So, so I'm going to go with my predictions. I gotta put Cincinnati in there, bro. I like what they have. Talking about that defense. Talking about a Heisman level quarterback. I think that defense is what elevates them to uh, that fourth spot. Looking at the back end, bro. They're the third best team in college football with a, allowing only a passer efficiency rating of 80.5, bro. They got nine PBUs, bro. And talking about that Indiana game you just brought up, their best player, their most outstanding offensive player from last season, Ty Fry Folk, mm-hmm. that, that secondary held them to one catch for three yards, mm-hmm. for 13 yards, bro. I think just the way they play football, like I said, that defense, plus the offense with Desmond Ritter and Jerome Ford, Guys rush for about uh, 100 yards a game, six touchdowns on the season. This team is primed to run the schedule. I think they're going to beat Notre Dame with no issues, and then they're going to run the slate after that. And I think once they do that, you have to put them in the college football playoff. You I know, know y'all would do that, bro, but what do you think the committee would do? One loss Power 5 or no loss Cincinnati? I think you got to put a no-loss Cincinnati in, bro. Well, what, what, no, what do you think they what, would do? Which one-loss team are we talking about? I would probably say, I mean, look at UCLA, Iowa, Oklahoma. I think. Uh, Oklahoma's looked really, really bad this year, just in terms of uh, some of the conference games. But if, if Cincinnati can win out, and they, this will only be, they would have lost one game over the past two seasons, I think mm-hmm. it will be time for them to get their due. And I, I, think, I think the committee is tired of hearing, oh, Group of five needs love. Group of five needs love. Group of five needs love. I think if Cincinnati does what they need to do, this is the year the committee puts them in. But like they've heard it year time and time again with UCF. All like you know what I'm saying? Like now is the time, I think, in my opinion. But especially if Desmond Ritter ends up being a Heisman candidate. Then there's no reason to not put them in. They gotta blow out everybody. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They do have to dominate the schedule, but if they dominate the schedule, beat Notre Dame, throw them in there. My third team I got coming in is going to be Oregon, bro. I think the physicality they bring, Mario Cristobal coming from Alabama, I think that physicality can take them a long way. They've got a great running game with C.J. Verdell, and like uh, Josh said, Anthony Brown's more of a game manager, but he gets the job done. And you look at the wins they've had so far, They've been without two of their best players, like you said, Justin Flo and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. You go on Columbus, beat Ohio State without those two guys, and continue winning without those two guys, just wait till they come back and that defense takes it up another notch. And then that's when that team really becomes scary. Uh, the only ranked team they have left on their schedule is number 20 UCLA. 
And I think that's a game that they can easily win. So I think if they don't, like similar to Cincinnati, they have to dominate the conference slate, blowouts, you know what I'm saying? That type, sort of thing and go undefeated. I think if they do that, they secure the spot. And then Georgia and Alabama, I think those two are locks. Looking at this Georgia defense, they got nine takeaways on the season, and they've only allowed one offensive touchdown through four games, bro. This defense is legit, and that's the powerhouse of Georgia's team, and that's going to propel them very far this season. And I think it might even lead them to a conference championship this year, in my opinion. And lastly, mm. Alabama. But I'm going to put an asterisk on Alabama, bro. That Florida game showed me something about Alabama. That game came down to a failed two-point conversion by Florida, but that game showed Alabama's defense's susceptibility. You got to remember, Alabama was up 21-3 after the first quarter. But this Alabama team gave up 258 rushing yards, created little in terms of a pass rush, and allowed Emory Jones, who's not the best quarterback they'll face all season, to have a day on them. Mm. So just file that game away and keep it in your memory. Because like Van said, I think Ole Miss has a chance. I'm not going to put my eggs in the basket. But I think they have a legit chance to beat Alabama after looking at that Florida performance. Mm. Quick question before we move on. Just assuming that, uh, that we all got Alabama and Georgia 1-2, and they beat in uh, the college football uh, championship, who are we taking? I got to go with Georgia. Georgia's mm. my pick to win the SEC right now. Yeah, bro, Georgia. Mm. I go with a – I like the Florida Bang. Um, I, I hear your point about uh, Florida causing some uh, some some wishy-washiness in terms of the Alabama defense. We're not going to add like Florida's still not a top-10 team. Um, Bryce Young had looked super impressive over these, uh, these past couple of weeks. This uh, team completely dismantled a, a Miami team in the beginning that we thought was good. Not good. Relax, relax, relax. I'm just relax. saying in terms of, I mean, you can only play us on your schedule. And right. then he's talking about going through the SEC, uh, the SEC gauntlet. Is, uh, I mean, I guess it's the thing of I'm giving the, uh, Nick Saban credit for wins that he hasn't had yet. But just looking at uh, Alabama as a well oil machine, I think it'll be – I think Georgia will have to play better than Alabama. Uh, Georgia's – in, in a matchup between Alabama and Georgia, I think Georgia would have to play above their head to beat Alabama, where Alabama could, uh, can play up to 75 80% of their potential and still win. But that's just me. I think it would still be a good game regardless. I do want to see uh, that Georgia pass rush get out to Bryce Young a little bit. And I don't think he's been pressured uh, in, in, in any of the manner that they could um, during the SEC championship game or in the college football playoffs. So I, I'm going to go with Alabama right now with a leeway to change my mind down the road. All I'm going to say is we saw what happened to Alabama offense in the Florida game yet again. 21 points in the first quarter started out high. 10 points for the rest of the game had a score in the second quarter. This Alabama team is good. This Alabama team is great. But this Georgia team is even greater. Mm. Any, anybody can win the natty this year. Honestly. I agree with that. Still. Parody. Definitely so. We'll probably see a team that come in from outside of the top 10 sneak into the playoff at this point. Mm-hmm. It's possible, bro. It's possible. So now, since we've been talking about college football, I know y'all have missed it. We're bringing the pickums back. And we're going to start out with some college football games around the league uh, this weekend, starting out with number 12 Ole Miss, going to Tuscaloosa to take on number one Alabama. Mm. 
Um, I mean, my, my guy Vance has, has spewed uh, Ole Miss love over the entire podcast. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of Ole Miss as well. I like how they completely destroyed Louisville in that uh, in that opening game. But don't say Ole Miss just to say you're going to take Alabama. Bro. I'm I'm crafting a narrative here, brother. Let me work. Let me cook, man. Relax. I'm just saying. I think I would I wouldn't disagree with the statement either that Ole Miss is the best offense in the country right now. But um, Bama, Bama. I won't I won't say big. But give me Alabama. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna Ole Miss has the number, bro. You already know. I'm I'm rocking an Ole Miss with the upset. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it simple. I already know both of y'all going with Bama, bro. I'm not even an Ole Miss fan, bro. You know what I'm talking about. Go Tigers, go. I mean, you're close enough to Oxford, bro. You're not from Michigan. Might as well be mm-hmm. all straight No, I'm from Olive Branch, Mississippi. Suburban. <laughs> Moving on. We got number seven, Cincinnati. Taking on the the number nine Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mm, I think we all gave our opinion on this game. We uh, I think we all recognize it as a, it is a big game in terms of college football playoff uh, viability. And I'm about to go with Cincinnati. You know they got a they got a big win over Indiana last week. It wasn't a huge statement win that, that I guess everybody was looking for. But at the end of the day, it's still a G five team, a Power Five team. So I guess you got to give them a little bit of room. Um, I like Jack Home for uh, Notre Dame. He's something in Kyron Williams. I think that's a pretty good one-two combo. But uh, I just don't think they're as dynamic as uh, the one-two combo for Desmond Ritter in uh, Cincinnati's run game. And I think also uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati defense is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame, they gave up, what, 28 points, I believe, 30 points to a 0-4 Florida State team. So uh, they can't hold running water. So I de- I'll take uh, Cincinnati here. And um, based on that pick, I'll have them in my college football playoff. Top four. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame is going to win ugly. It's a low scoring game. 2017, last second field goal. Mm. I think this game will be big for Cincinnati just in terms of seeing how a group of five team matches up, especially against that Notre Dame power run offense. I think Cincinnati will be able to hold up, especially in the secondary, but in the run game is where I have a question. But I think their offensive capabilities put them over the top in this game, and I got to get the win to Cincinnati. So moving on, our last game in our college football slate, we got number eight, Arkansas, traveling to Georgia. Mm. Uh, you can go first, Vance. Ooh, I'm, uh, I'm rolling with Georgia. I mean, Arkansas has good wins. They're a very good team. They've been dominant while they're playing, but they haven't played a defense like Georgia. Yeah, I, I hit the nail on the head with that one. You know, uh, Traylon Burks, KJ Jefferson, they look like one of the best. Uh, they're like the most dynamic uh, quarterback receiver uh, duo in the in SEC at certain points. But, um, yeah, that Georgia defense is uh, elite, legendary at this point. You got, like I said, you got JT Daniels, you got Zamir White, you got uh, Brian Bowers, you got a uh, multitude of different options on that Georgia offense to keep them afloat. And, um, and I like Arkansas. I think this is probably the closest of the three games that we uh, we have for Pickham. But at the end of the day, I don't see Arkansas – I don't see Arkansas scoring more than 21 points on this Georgia team. And I think Georgia can man, uh, can manufacture three touchdowns. So, uh, you talk, you said 2017 for uh, that Notre Dame-Cincinnati game. I'll go 24-21 for this, this Arkansas-Georgia game. Right. So, uh, looking at the ring teams that Arkansas has beat, you look at Texas A&M, you look at Texas – None of those teams are Georgia. So, short and sweet, give me Georgia in this one. Uh, I don't know about how much, but I know that it's going to get ugly. Mm, predicting a blowout? 
not a blowout, but I think Arkansas is going to get frustrated early. They don't have a dynamic quarterback. They rely heavy on that running game. And I hey, think ever said question mark. He looked pretty good through these first couple of weeks. I mean, he's not a spinner, bro. He's an athlete. What is he, a junior? Sophomore? I think he's a sophomore, I think. Sheesh. Oh, yeah, they're going to start off top 10 next year. So, next year going to be their year. Yeah, bro. Didn't even like, know Arkansas you, was going to be good this year, not going to lie. Just talking about the quarterback situation, you look at the Texas A&M game, he went 7 for 15. Look at the Texas game, he went 14 for 19. He's not – the focal point of that offense is that run game. And so now we're going to move on to the NFL slate of games we got. We're going to start out with the Panthers taking on the Cowboys. We just mm. got a win last on Monday Night Football. I was just about to say, go ahead, uh, go ahead and spit your verse, Vance. Yeah, bro, give me the Cowboys. I'm not going to say big. I'm going to say by less than, less than a touchdown. 24-20 Cowboys. Mm. Uh, I'll go with the Panthers. Big, actually. I know we discussed that a little earlier in the, uh, in the show. <laughs> Panthers has a, uh, the best beat in the, in the NFL right now. Um, Sam Donald's looking like a, a pro bowler at this point. And, uh, you know, I know the, Car- the Cowboys will have a little bit of confidence playing the Philadelphia Eagles, getting that win over uh, Philadelphia on Monday Night Football. But this Panther team is a, a whole other animal in terms of uh, what they can do on the ground or without, even without Christian McCaffrey, with uh, the weapons that they have outside with DJ Moore, Robin Anderson, and uh, missing somebody, Terrence Marshall. So, yeah, I think that this is a legitimate team, and they'll, just, they'll, make, they'll have a statement win over, the, uh, over Dallas. Mm-hmm. I, I like what you're saying about that uh, Carolina defense, but that Cowboy offense is something special. First week, we saw Dak throw the ball 50 times. These past two weeks, we've seen the running game. You know, this is a great offensive line. The secondary is coming together for Dallas. I think the Cowboys are going to uh, win this game at home. I'll just, I'll just say this. All those throws that we didn't see Jalen Hurts make, all those um, those potential passes that could have turned into something that um, would have made the game a little bit closer, I think Tim Donald would be able to make those. You were just trashing Sam Donald when he was a Jets. So. Brother, you think you don't know how much this pains me to see him succeed in another environment when I knew he had the channel to do it here? Trust me, I should be the biggest Sam Donald hater right now. But game recognized game. He got into another environment. He got about, he's gotten behind a competent offensive line, and they, they actually put some uh, some weapons around him. But he and, and he's he's proven to to be able to be able to be able to be a playmaker and just not a game manager. So. No, I can't. I can't let that one slide. Um, but no, Panthers are the top five team right now, so I think they'll. I think they'll take it to Dallas. Okay. So next game we got <laughs> undefeated teams in the NFC West with the Cardinals taking on the Rams in that like. Mm, I think it's probably the best game on the schedule uh, for the NFL slate. Um, talk about uh, talk about Arizona, you know, three and zero. I mean, they're both undefeated. You know, Kyler Murray is looking like an MVP candidate. Chandler Jones just had uh, what seventeen sacks against the Titans last week, and it's definitely you know with that that defense in the secondary, it's just that's uh, that's improved uh, that's improved mightily. So you know, whew, this is a tough this is a tough one. I'm not gonna lie. Still, like I said, that Ram defense has looked great. And we just talked about uh, Matt Stafford putting this team over the top of Super Bowl favorites, but um. Ah, yeah, Kyler Murray and D Hop, and I like the what James Conner has added to this Arizona run game. Give me Arizona, man. They've looked they've looked really good. I know LA probably has the better win, but give me Arizona. I just think that uh, Kyler Murray can make plays outside of the pocket that Tom Brady could not. Yeah, little little Kyler's body hasn't worn out yet, so the game's gonna be close for now. But still, I'm gonna get, give me the rounds by four. 
Yeah, I'm gonna rock with the Rams too. That defense is special. That offense has become special. So I gotta rock with the Rams. Next game we got the undefeated Raiders taking on the Chargers, who just beat Kansas City. Two of the more surprising teams in the league right now, Derek Carr. If you, we had to to give out the MVP at this moment, we'll probably be the winner of it. Um, like I stated earlier, you got Max Crosby, Yannick Ngagwe, forming one of the best uh, one-two aid rushers in the NFL right now. But I like this, this Chargers team a little, just a little bit more. Mike Williams really uh, lived up to his potential last week in terms of uh, scorching that Kansas City secondary. I think that was what, seven for 122. Then you got Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler still. I think this is a little bit more of a complete offense. I'm predicting um, Las Vegas to come down to earth just a little bit. I don't think Josh, I don't know Josh Jacobs' availability for this game. What it is, um, he's been a he's a crucial part to this uh, this, this Vegas run game, and uh, I don't think Peyton Barber's going to be able to, to consistently hold down the fort. So give me uh, give me Los Angeles. Hmm. Sheesh. This is probably the hardest game to pick. Raiders very easily could be zero three. I think that catches up with them. Give me the Chargers. And I'm gonna agree with Vance here. Just as easy as the Raiders are three and now they could be 0-3. The Chargers are coming in hot off that win versus the Chiefs versus the offense. I gotta go with the Chargers on this one, bro. I love uh Brandon Staley and just how aggressive he is. I think that's gonna show versus the Raiders. So next game we got the Seahawks uh going to play the 49ers. After three weeks, uh, Brenda, I finally came out and shot out a little bit, had a little bit of production for this, this 49er team. And combining him and Debo Samuel, that's two of the, the quickest and most elusive um, targets that this San, two of the receivers that this San Francisco team has. So I definitely think that, um, how do I say it, this Jimmy G, Trey Lance, you know, uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan has, had, has used Trey Lance, I think, to the best of his abilities in terms of using him as a, a short yardage uh, run option. And I think that <coughs> I think this 49er front can can pressure Russell Wilson and make him uncomfortable. So uh, that being said, give me San Francisco. Mm. I'm going to go – well, y'all know how I feel about the Seahawks, bro. I, I think this is going to be the year they, they go a little downhill. Uh, 49ers big. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to keep it simple. Seahawks are good, 49ers. And last game we got on the slate, we got the Browns going up to Minnesota to take on the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Hmm. Again, I think the Browns are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. They got Odell back last week. I think it was what my fantasy team told me he was five for seventy-seven. But that uh, to be able to, to have some 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 production like that in his first game back, uh, I think is a, a clear sign that he's he's healthy and ready to have a breakout year. This Minnesota team was very close to being 0-3 versus losing to a, a Seattle team that I think we all can agree isn't um, the Seattle teams of the past. So give me the Browns. You know, Chubb, Kareem Hunt, you know, Baker May still, still uh, playing above his head a little bit. And you got Miles Garrett. So, you know, that defense at the uh, slumping first couple of weeks has a run out of shell a little bit. I think they'll, they'll handle Minnesota rather easily. Mm, continuity is really important. I was going to pick the Vikings, but I remember when he was doing the previews, I said they weren't going to be very good, so give me the Browns. Continuity is important, brother. Me? I'm going to go with the Vikings and the upset. This offense is clicking. The Browns' defense, especially their secondary, hasn't really shown up yet. I think uh, Miles Garrett, of course, is a force off the edge, but I think Kirk Cousins can go out and have a game. He's been hooping all season, and I think 
this game versus Cleveland is going to be his debut performance for the rest of the NFL. Like, I can put a team on my back and carry us to the promised land. So, expect to see a lot of a lot of Kirk Cousins, a lot of Dalvin Cook, a lot of Jeffrey, a lot of Jefferson, a lot of Thielen. I think they're going to come out of this game with a win. Yeah. Man, they got they got a stud back. Uh, they got a stud back over Alexander Ma- uh, Madison. What he had with one thirty last game as well. Yeah. So no, I don't. I don't. Think, I just think that this Brown team is just a, a cut above. Now, I also do happen, and uh, Kirk Cousins has been balling, but I think that uh, he's gonna have to, to carry the load mm-hmm. for the offense versus Baker Mayfield can have a, a subpar game, and rely upon that run game. So. All right, so I'm going to give you guys a five-leg parlay. I'm trying to make y'all some money, bro. We'll come back next week, see how I did. Let's see. Five teams. The first game is Texas minus five and a half at TCU. Texas, as you guys know, took a bad loss to Arkansas. But they swapped quarterbacks, and last week they dropped 70 on Texas Tech. I think the offense is rolling. I like that spread. TCU isn't very good. They lost to SMU. SMU is decent, but they're they're not very good. Give me Texas. Minus five and a half. Ole Miss plus 14 and a half. Now, I'm they're going to win, but I think they can cover 14 points, lose by less than two touchdowns against Alabama. Florida minus eight and a half at Kentucky. Florida is an elite team. Kentucky is average. Now, that Kentucky the past year, they've been very good, but this year, don't, don't let the past affect the future. Minus eight and a half for Florida at Kentucky. Under 47 and a half points, Boston College at Clemson. Clemson is not very good on offense, but they're elite on defense. 47 and a half points, you final score can be 24-20. You still don't cover. Trust me, Clemson and Boston College, neither one of those teams is getting a 24. Uh, Clemson, their three games against FBS opponents, they scored three points against Georgia, 14 points against Georgia Tech, and 14 points against North Carolina State in regulation. So, yeah, it's not very good. Under 47 and a half. Last game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus six and a half at New England Patriots. Let me just say this. Tom Brady is about to have his vengeance on them. Hey, <laughs> if you, this is on FanDuel. If you bet $10, you win $250. Mm, you heard that man say it. Go, and put in your, uh, go ahead and put in your parlay picks. You know, you can thank us when you, you win your money, but if you lose, do not come on our DMs talking that hot S word. We will not respond, and we have no responsibility for how betting, you betting is legal in Tennessee. Yes, I don't think it is in Texas, but there's ways to work around it. And so, how we always close the episode? As you know, we got to get them game balls out. Keep on for this week. Justin Tucker got to get it. 66 yard field goal to secure the win for the Raiders. Ooh, mm-hmm. I like that. I'm gonna have to go with uh. Trevon Diggs, three picks in three games. Really, he's been turning up since the end of last season, the second half of last season. He started off really slow, but he's looking pretty good on the same level as his brother. Mm. Uh, I'm going to take Miles Garrett. You know, uh, career high and Brown's record, four and a half sacks. He's been really quiet these first couple of games. I think uh, pairing him with alongside a uh, former number one overall pitcher, Davion Clowney, has, re- has just rejuvenated him a little bit. And him being uh with the number one overall pick in 2018, he's a cornerstone of this uh, Brown defense, and he will dictate by his performance how how far they can go in the playoffs. Yeah, so that's another episode for you guys. Make sure y'all like, comment, subscribe, and we out of here. Boom, my bumper clock. Old Miss by ten. Never. <laughs>